You're listening to C-Store Talks. I'm Erin Del Conte, Executive Editor with C-Store Decisions Magazine. And for this podcast series, I am having conversations with women in convenience. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by NRS. Everything you need for your busy store. NRS is a provider of intuitive POS systems, custom-built for independent retailers across the USA. When combined with NRS Pay credit card processing, the NRS POS is your one-stop shop for checkout success. Today I'm here with Christy Patient, Regional Director of Operations at Circle K, Co-Chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Council, and Co-Chair of the Women's Council at Circle K. Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. So Christy, to start us off, can you tell us a bit about Circle K? For example, how many stores does Circle K operate and in what states are they located today? Sure. Uh, so Kushtarj Circle K is uh, one of the leaders in uh, global convenience and fuel operations. Right now we operate in about 48 states, uh, 26 countries and territories with close to 14,200 stores and approximately 124,000 people are employed through our network. And we are one of the largest C-store companies in the world. Wonderful. And tell me about your role as regional director of operations. You know, how long have you been in that role and what are your responsibilities? Um, so I have been with Circle K for the last two years and I've been in my current role for the last two months. Um, my primary responsibilities are really working directly with the stores and the managers. Um, so I oversee 89 sites and eight market managers. So I have eight direct reports that report directly to me that I work with. Um, and I really view the role as me working with the team uh, to help overcome barriers. So when I'm in sites, I'm asking the employees, you know, how can I help? What's, what's happening in the store? What, what are the barriers that's stopping you from being successful? And I view this role as me removing those and setting the teams up for success. So you're also the co-chair of both the Diversity and Inclusion Council and the Women's Council at Circle K. So tell me about those roles and, and why was it important to you to become involved in those groups? In each of these roles, my goal is to help develop people and bring information to them that will help them grow in their role. So it started with being a member of the Women's Council and then that position kind of growing into a co-chair position when the opportunity presented itself. Um, in the Women's Council, I get to meet with women all over the globe for Circle K and Circle K's global effort to bring women together and help grow leaders in our industry and build women up. So we meet to discuss and cascade different information to our business units that was put together by the Executive Global Women's Council. Um, and we love putting together the content and then delivering this through webinars and different newsletters uh, to the team. And we've evolved our Women's Council and our business unit here in the Heartland Division to be a diversity and inclusion council. And we've called it the IDEA Council, so Inclusion, Diversity, Equality, and Awareness Council. Um, and this was a way for us to bring all efforts together to get more insight on how we could create a bigger impact for all the team members. And it was really important for me to be a part of these groups as people are our most important asset. And I wouldn't be where I am today without the people that invested in me. Wonderful. 
And so your career path um, started, I believe, at Lowe's and then at Target, if I, if I have that correct. Can you tell me about how you got your start and how it has led you to where you are today? Yes, absolutely. Um, I started at Lowe's when I was 19 years old with a thought that I was just going to do this until I kind of searched for what I thought my career role would be. So at the time, I didn't necessarily realize that you could have a career in the retail industry. Um, and I was really happy with the work that I was doing there and decided I was going to focus on doing the best job I could and try to grow within the company. Um, I'm a daughter of a military family, so I really enjoyed the structure that Lowe's brought me. And I was able to kind of move up in my career there due to some of the great mentors and leadership programs Lowe's invested in their people with. Um, it did take time to move up, and I applied for many different leadership positions with, uh, throughout my course of my career there. Um, and I just kept interviewing. So, so if I got a no, I didn't let that no derail me. Um, I just kept taking those as opportunities, kept taking the feedback from people during the interview process to figure out what I needed to work on and grow on. Um, and I was eventually able to move up to a store manager position and was able to do that for almost four years. So Lowe's has some great investment programs to get people through there. And you're able to go to the University of North Carolina and take some great business course colleges with some wonderful professors. Um, it's an eight-week course that you do out there. And so they really invest in helping set you up for success. So that helped me um, be able to really hone my leadership skills. And then I decided that I wanted to kind of learn a different side of retail. So I switched over to Target. And with switching to Target, um, that is a very fast-paced industry. Um, I thought Lowe's was fast-paced, but Target is even more fast-paced. And with Target, there are so many different seasonality things that are very different. So Lowe's has their slow times. Target does not have their slow times. So with Target, I was really able to learn another side of retail, uh, especially focused on food. So I was over um, the grocery department. I was over the Starbucks. I was over the entire sales floor of shipping, receiving, the internet business. So, so many different aspects there um, that have helped me now transfer to the C-store industry. So through that, um, I was able to learn a lot. Um, that's kind of set me up to where I am now. And why did you decide to enter the convenience store industry? And uh, when did you join Circle K specifically? Was that, I think you said before two years ago. Do I have that correct? Correct. So February of 2020. So right before COVID hit, um, I joined the convenience store industry. So what a, what a time to join. <laughs> yes, a, a time to join that uh, you're, you're thinking it's going to be one thing. And then, of course, everything changes. So um, I actually had a recruiter reach out to me on LinkedIn. So, so with my time at Target, um, I was looking to continue to grow. Um, and I was in an assistant manager position there versus the store manager at Lowe's. So I had kind of taken a step back to learn more. Um, and so the recruiter reached out to me and let me know that this would be a district level position. So it would give me a greater circle of influence to be able to have a better effect in terms of helping grow future leaders. And that thought really appealed to me to be able to kind of really help be able to help nurture more uh, leaders. So I decided I was going to go ahead and take the position with Circle K. And like I said, I joined right at the time of COVID. So, you know, I was able to train in stores and really see what that experience was like at the height of COVID. Um, and then kind of was able to shadow some of the other market managers and really understand what that multi-level management system looked like. 
Um, I was able to have experiences with helping roll out food. So we are really focused on our Fresh Food Fast program um, and making sure that we have food readily available for our customers. And getting to be a part of rolling that out to our stores was a really exciting time. And so I got to learn a lot about the industry that way until I was given my district level position in the Bloomington area. Was able to do that for about a year and a half. And then in the last two months, I was promoted to the regional position now. And I've had some great mentors along the way. So my peer, uh, Jason Koenig, um, he was my supervisor and he really invested in me. And I think really all it takes is one person believing that you can do it and you can grow and, and reach your aspirations. Very cool. And I like what you say about the, the mentors that you've had along the way that have kind of helped you in your career, because I think that's, that's something we touch on in a lot of these podcasts. And I think it's so important that, you know, to have people you can look up to who are going to invest in you and move you forward and finding ways to find that if it doesn't just materialize in your career. Absolutely. So what generation are you a part of? I am part of the millennial generation. So okay. I am an older millennial. And uh, one of the things about millennials is we're one of the most diverse adult groups in American history. Um, so our generation is really focused on education and being part of the workforce. Um, and we're one of the most adaptable uh, because we grew up as technology was evolving. So we've kind of always had to adapt with the times because there's always something new, <laughs> always a new phone, always a new different, uh, you know, computer. So we're, we're always learning new things. So we've been extremely adaptable. And I think that that's one of the, the key things is that if, if you don't change with the times, then you're not going to be able to continue to be successful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So tell me about some of your earliest experiences as a woman in business. What stands out to you when you kind of think back on that time? So I think one of the things that stands out the most when I started was with Lowe's. It is a little bit more of a male-dominated industry, and, and the customer base is a little bit more male. Um, but I was lucky that my first supervisor with Lowe's was a female. And I was really kind of inspired by what her career path had been to, to get her she wants what we were working on and working in that male-dominated industry I, I really kind of had to learn how to uh, as women sometimes we have a hard time taking credit right so we we kind of shy away from taking the credit for the things that we're doing but at the same time we want to be able to do well and grow and have people recognize that but we don't do very well about shouting it out ourselves so so she was really good at helping build me up to other people so that I would have these other opportunities. And if it wasn't for the people in the beginning that kind of helped set me up for that career path at Lowe's, I don't think I would have been able to grow the way I did. So it all starts with, again, just that one person believing in you and really helping drive where your next steps are going to be. Awesome. And did you face any challenges? You know, I know you mentioned it's a male dominated industry, but that, you know, you had, you had this mentor who could kind of position you and help build you up. What challenges did you have to navigate? Um, so I, again, earlier on, I saw less women in the higher up positions, but again, I was lucky that the district manager at the time was female. Most of the store managers at the time were male, but they were working on the diversity factor and, and helping ensure that we were growing people. Um, so again, those had a lot of leadership programs that they put people through. And so that kind of helped me develop. Um, and we decided that they were going to do a women in leadership group. So at the time there wasn't a separate leadership development program. So they went ahead and did that. 
But what I saw through those processes is with the customers, I got a lot of pushback with being a, a woman in that industry. So a lot of times I would be the one that would step up there to try to resolve that customer issue. And they would say to me, oh, you're the boss. Well, I want to speak to somebody else. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually the store manager at this point. And they still didn't want to speak to me. So I got a little bit of joy in that sense that my supervisor was a woman and her name was Angela Gillis. And so whenever they would ask to speak to my boss, I'm like, well, if you'd like to speak to my supervisor, Angela Gillis, I'd be happy to give you her information. And as soon as they heard it was another woman, I would see these people's eyes kind of light up like, what? And um, then they would sometimes let me resolve the issue. But that was a lot of times the biggest hurdle was getting people to respect the fact that I had been in that industry for 12 years. So there was a lot of knowledge that I had had from growing up in that industry, but the customer base really just didn't recognize that and just didn't recognize women in authority, especially earlier on in my position. Mm -hmm. What are some lessons that you've learned along the way in your career? Well, working in retail with the public can be very difficult. So you have to learn not to take things personally when you're dealing with an upset customer. And initially, when I was very young, I was in what we called our installed sales department. So you're dealing with people that are making very large purchases for their home. So kitchen renovations, it's the contractors that are coming in. So so you would hear a lot of feedback from customers, and I'll say it that way in a nice way, Um, about things that were happening throughout their experience. And so you're the person that's taking that call and having to listen to that and understand that, you know, for a customer, their home is like their sanctuary. So when there's a disruption in that place that's supposed to be your safe place, you know, people take that very personally and, and, and really react, sometimes in a way that's obviously unbecoming. And so you have to not let that kind of change the way that you react. You kind of have to put yourself in their shoes not take the things that they're saying to you personally and really learn to speak in an even tone. So for me, it was learning to just always respond in an even tone, make sure that my tone would not misconvey the message that I was having and ensure that I was getting the buy-in from the customer with the fact that, you know, I was going to help them resolve their issue as well as even dealing with uh, employees. So with employees, the same thing. If, If you have the wrong tone when trying to give feedback, then your message is completely lost. You've lost the person through the fact that now they feel like you're yelling at them or you're mad and you're not going to get the employee to understand the behavior that you're wanting them to work on. So I've learned that communication is, is the biggest thing and understanding the tone that you're speaking in, your body language, all of those affect how that, how that conversation is going to be able to go. And one of the big things that I remember listening to through, uh, so Gary Vee is very active on LinkedIn and I, I follow him. And one of the things that I heard him say one time, and it really had an impact on me, was the fact that as a leader, your people don't work for you, you work for your people. So you have to kind of reverse your thought process as it comes to that and recognize that as a leader, your job is to be there as a support system and set your people up for success. So I am working for them. And so one of the things that I always kind of said to the team is is really trying to get people together, especially in a district level position where you're over multiple sites and everybody has their own store, is you have to get everyone to feel like it's a team and that you're united. And so I always told them that it's not about the me. So don't think about me. It's about the we. You have to turn the M upside down and and change your thinking. So when we work together as a team, everything becomes easier and it creates a work environment that everybody wants to come back to because they know there's support. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
How do you feel that the time period when you came of age has shaped your experience as a woman in business? Um, so I think I grew up in the retail industry as it was evolving. So, you know, computers were already prevalent in terms of, you know, what we were doing and we had tools available to help us do the job. Um, you know, I remember looking on Indeed for jobs and stuff like that uh, right when I started. So, so I was able to kind of see positions in other cities. So again, being a, a military kid, um, I have no problem moving. So I was not just looking in my local area. I was looking for something that kind of would um, help me grow in my career. And so when I found Lowe's, one of the great things is there are different, you know, stores all around. So the opportunity to progress also depends on your ability to kind of move around and relocate. Um, so with that, I think that the difference that we have now is with being in that technology age, we're in a different place to where we can make these connections on LinkedIn. We can reach out. We have different tools to be able to help us evolve. And I remember one of the first lessons that we learned at Lowe's was the sea of sameness. So you have to be willing to change and you have to be willing to evolve because there's a lot of companies that aren't here anymore because they weren't willing to do that. So technology has really shaped the way that we go about everything from the way the consumer reacts and the way that, you know, employees relate to their employer. So being willing to evolve um, constantly is really what's kind of, I think, made it different um, because employees are able to connect all over the globe. Whereas before, you know, you really only knew kind of what's going on in your local area. You may not have known what was going on in businesses all over. So I think that that affects people's decisions in terms of their employers. Mm -hmm. And also just what you were saying before about management styles. I think that's something that's we've really seen evolve with the generations too, right? And you mentioned yes. you work for your people, set them up for success. You know, 30 years ago, I'm not sure that was the general mindset and how people manage, but it has very much become the mindset, I think, of, of the millennial generation, even Gen X. Yes, absolutely. Before it was, uh, well, you're going to do this because I told you so. And it was more that boss mentality instead of the leader mentality. And the boss mentality, people are listening to you because you're their supervisor not because they necessarily have respect for you. Whereas a leader, people want to follow that person because they're bought into what that person is saying. You know, as leaders, we explain the why. Bosses never probably explained why they were asking you to do something. And so we had to change the way we went about it because there are so many different options out there for our employees now, so. What do you think are some of the unique obstacles or issues that women in your generation faced or are facing now compared to previous or future generations? So again, kind of us growing up in the technology age, um, that we have the unique ability and platforms like LinkedIn where we're able to kind of look for jobs all over the country and take on new experiences. I, I've moved most of my life through those different things. And I think before that probably would have been a scarier thing to undertake is if you're going to another city and you're having to look at that local newspaper to know what the jobs are, is you, you may not know what's going to be available when you get there. So the idea of moving and going somewhere else is a little scarier where now, you know, you see that a lot of influencers and all these different things are living in other countries. You know, they're, they're expanding their network. They're having all sorts of experiences that they did in the past. And I think that part of that is with us being able to make these different connections. And so the, the issue now is, is really making sure that women understand how important it is to network and how important it is to really find those mentors and those people that are going to help bring you up. 
Um, and I tell leaders all the time, I really think that it's important for you to be on LinkedIn or, or some sort of, you know, networking platform like that, that's going to help you be able to kind of see, you know, what other people are doing and, you know, how you can continue to be successful and how you can continue to grow. Wonderful. And what do you think are some of the biggest issues that still persist today that disproportionately impact women? I think one of the things that, and I've, I've taught this in the women's and leadership course that, that we do is that as women, sometimes we tend to hold ourselves back. I mean, that we have to be hundred percent qualified for a job or a man will apply for it if you feel 60% qualified for, for qualifications. And so we're, we're perfectionists. And I remember the first time that I heard uh, Raja's Ted talk on teach girls bravery, not perfection. And I thought, oh, man, this is such a powerful message. And I told myself, you know what, I'm not going to hold my back, myself back from opportunities. Um, I, I'm going to continue to apply and it's okay if I hear no. You know, the no is going to happen and you're going to get the opportunity at the right time that it's meant for you because maybe it's putting you with the right mentor. Maybe if you had gotten that other position in it with a different leader, that person would have not been the right mentor for you. And I know that specifically for me, um, all the times that I heard no, it was, it was definitely for the right reason that there was either maybe more growing than I needed to do, or, you know, I was set up with the right leader that was going to be able to help me grow to that next position. So I think that uh, we also, like I said, struggle with giving ourselves credit for things. So, you know, making sure that, you know, it's okay to say the things that you've done that were successful and, you know, take credit for that stuff. Um, I know that one of the things that I've had in the past is, um, you know, when we do take credit, sometimes then you have people say things like, oh, well, that wasn't very humble of you. And in, in this industry, you know, you don't hear people say that to a man, but you'll hear people say that to a woman as if us taking credit for something somehow is, is different um, and that we should be a little bit more humble. So I know that those are some of the things that I have heard before. I feel like that um, before one of the decisions I made as well, and I heard this on one of the other podcasts is unfortunately early in my career, I felt like I couldn't do having children and be grow my career. Um, I had to be at work so early in the morning that I was like, well, what am I going to do for childcare? How do people do this that have children? And, and I ultimately decided that I had to pick a career over children. And it's, it's one of the regrets that I have is I'm in my late thirties now, almost 40. And, you know, I, I still have not given myself the opportunity to have kids and it's, it's not too late. So, you know, that's still a decision I can make, but I think that if I could go back and tell myself something, it's that you don't have to make those decisions. Um, I felt like maybe somebody would have taken my role in the time I was going to be gone, you know, what things were going to happen, you know, how much would I fall back? What was I going to do for childcare? So I think as women, sometimes we make those decisions and, you know, I regrettably was one of them. Um, so I would tell people, don't factor that in when making a decision for what your career is. If you want to have children, do that. The, the jobs and the roles are always going to be there for you. Um, again, LinkedIn, you know, there's, there's going to be plenty of opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think that's a really important thing to, to share for younger generations who are listening and making those decisions now in, in their career. And I also really like what you said about, you know, going ahead and, you know, putting yourself out there for potential new roles, even if you hear no, you're going to get the feedback about what you need to do to move up, you know, in the future uh, and how important it is to, to put yourself out there so you can get that feedback and then integrate that and, and get where you want to want to be. Yes. So for the convenience store industry specifically, 
what are some areas that you think we still need to improve as an industry in terms of inclusion? And what do you think needs to change and evolve? You know, with Circle K, I was actually very surprised and impressed when I came to the seesaw industry. So in that first two weeks that I had with the company, they were doing a regional meeting. And the supervisor that hired me, her name was Chiquita Jones, and she believed in me. And she had a regional meeting. And when I walked into there, I was shocked that it was predominantly women. I had come from an industry that that was not the case. And so when I saw that the room was a lot of women and that the group that I had been hired into, the market managers, half of those were women as well. That was just not something that I was used to. So I was very impressed with the work that Circle K had done to attract and promote women leaders. And I think that the council that they have, the women's council that they had been involved in and for a while, you know, had helped lead the path to effective change. And I think if other businesses want to be able to do that and other C-store industries, if they haven't already, I really think they need to invest in having a women's council and having those opportunities for women to learn some of the things that I was kind of speaking about. So helping women understand, um, you know, how to put themselves out there and feel more comfortable as well as being able to speak in public. Um, so that's something that sometimes women are a little bit uncomfortable with, um, how to interview and how to feel comfortable in those interview situations and setting them up for success. And the other thing is how to give constructive feedback. So sometimes as, as women, you know, we might have to, have to sit down and have a conversation with someone that can be a little intimidating. So um, at Lowe's, I had a lot of people that were older than me, um, you know, that maybe I was the direct supervisor of, or, you know, somebody that, um, from a physical standpoint, you know, maybe a little bit um, more intimidating. And so sometimes sitting down and having those conversations with people from that standpoint, um, you really have to learn how to go about having those conversations uh, because people can try to derail you in those situations. And so learning how to navigate that. So I think having programs that help leaders be successful is where we really need to go. And the other thing that Circle K has done is they have a mentorship program that they just started. So I can sign up to be a mentor to someone anywhere within the company and, and help someone evolve. So the fact that I can have effective change over more than just my local area is huge. Um, so people can sign up to be a mentee and they can sign up to be a mentor. And then the one thing that I just graduated since I have newly promoted in this role is they have a market manager training class. And it taught all sorts of different leadership competencies from, you know, Ken Blanchard, um, from the Franklin Covey, um, you know, situational leadership, emotional intelligence. So there was a lot of different courses that they invested in um, to help set leaders up. So I think if the convenience store industry want to wants to continue to evolve, they have to invest in those types of programs because the effect that it's going to have on all leaders is, is just, it's invaluable. Wonderful. And as the co-chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Council, can you talk a bit more about what Circle K is doing on that front? So Circle K introduced their values this last year. So, um, so Brian Hanish had put a post out there and made it public as to you know, what our values were. And one of those is the fact that Circle K has made people their number one priority. So with that being our number one priority, our people have been making more of a focus on, like I said, the investment in the leadership courses. So with the Diversity and Inclusion Council, one of the things that we also wanted to focus on was educating people about different ethnicities, different religious holidays, you know, the different holidays that are celebrated by other cultures, and really making the team feel more united with understanding where other viewpoints came from 
and where you know some of our other team members are. So we're a global company, so we have people all over the world that work for us. And having that connection of understanding, you know, what other countries celebrate and other cultures do has really made a difference, I think, in our business unit and helping people feel more connected because obviously the United States is a big melting pot. We have, you know, a lot of different people that have, you know, moved here from other cultures. So being able to celebrate them and, and bring their culture to life, um, I think has really made a difference. Wonderful. And, and what would you like other chains to know about different steps they can take to improve diversity, equity, inclusion? So where can they start if they don't yet have a diversity and inclusion council or a women's council? What, what are the steps that they should take? I think it starts with asking people to be a part of helping shape the culture of the company. So really reaching out and finding those individuals who have a voice and are willing to share their voice and give the true and honest feedback. So you have to have a culture set up of that open door that people know that by expressing themselves that they're going to be listened to and there's not going to be any negative condensation to, you know, saying how they really feel. And it starts with employees wanting to make a difference and really having a passion for helping develop their peers and creating an environment that sparks open conversations of learning, understanding, and building a community that makes the organization feel united in a common message and a common culture. Wonderful. And so for the Gen Z women who are listening today, what do you wish you knew when you first started your career and what advice would you like to leave them with today? Um, so I've touched on it a couple times, but I, I really wish that I had understood the importance of networking earlier on um, and understanding how important it is um, to building up a group of people around you that truly want to see you be successful and that will give you that true, honest feedback so that you can grow. Um, so I know one of the things the first mentor did for me was he, I would come to him with maybe an issue and he wouldn't give me the answer. And so initially that was frustrating, but he wanted me to start to problem solve myself and figure out what that solution was. And, and he, he still works for those today. His name is David Osher. Um, and I had a great other pair there at Boston and they both really invested in me and making sure that I came to the solution myself. Um, and so coming with solutions to your leader and starting to try to navigate your, that yourself is what's to help you grow. And then reaching out to your peers in your industry and in similar industries. So um, don't be afraid to reach out and make that connection on LinkedIn. There's a lot of people that post great content. And so I reach out sometimes because I want to see what those people are doing. What are they interested in so that I can help share and grow that knowledge and, you know, take on some of the things that they're doing and how they're networking. Um, and find a mentor or someone who really wants to invest in your development and make sure that you have time to set up weekly conversations that allow you to speak openly and get advice. Um, and take the time to own your own development. So I, I think sometimes as women, we think it's selfish when we try to take time for ourselves and our own growth, whether it be, you know, taking that time to listen to a podcast like this, uh, reading a leadership book or taking a leadership course online. Um, if you're a LinkedIn premium member, you have access to unlimited leadership courses that help you grow your leadership style. So it's free, it's content out there for you. So I would say invest in yourself because that is going to give you the ultimate reward. You'll, you'll never regret um, that and understanding your own value. Wonderful. I think that is, that is absolutely great advice. Invest in yourself, lots of resources to do so. Christy, thank you so much for being here today, for sharing all your insights with us, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much.